Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Fungal? Are you recording? Non-fungible associates? Non-fungible associates. (laughs) What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and I am alongside, as always, the indomitable Casey Clapp. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate being indomitable. I actually don't know if I know what indomitable means. I honestly don't know if I do either. Well, um, it's for another yeah. time, Casey. You know what I usually like to think of is uh, indefatigable. Indefatigable. Yeah, it's basically like you are you you can't be fatigued. You're tireless. Oh, yeah. indefatigable. Yeah, it's like they. It's like wow. Some big generals like indefatigable. I always see. keep pushing. Yeah. At least that's how I've always thought about it. Indefatigable. And I feel like there might be like a name of a ship somewhere that's like the indefatigable. Oh wow. Okay. But I don't know. I could also be not knowing. <laughs> just like you, there's just these big words that are complicated to say. <laughs> This could all be true or it could all be false. Yeah, yeah. Who's to know? Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to our show. Casey. We got a big episode today, We do. We don't don't even have any time to screw around. Yeah, let's give it 10 seconds. How are you? Uh, I'm good. How are you? I'm also good. Wonderful. That that took us like four. That was great. We had time to spare. (laughs) We're so efficient. Today, we are talking about a tree as we are every week and this week, the tree is the koa. Oh, uh, my God. Oh, uh, my koa. Casey, how many Hawaiian trees have we covered? Mango? I think just, yeah. I mean, I guess trees en- that can grow in Hawaii. Mm, maybe more, per- more specifically. Maybe endemic trees. Is yeah. this our first endemically Hawaiian tree? No, we did cover the sandalwood. Oh, that's right. Yes. And the sandalwood, I thought that was Indian. Well, there are a couple different species. Oh, right. So okay. there definitely is a native species to... Hawaii. Got it. But allegedly, they've all been cut down. Mm. So a lot of them are coming back uh, for the sandalwood. But yeah, that's this is the this is certainly one that there are other kinds of it that grow elsewhere because you know it's a it's an acacia uh, acacia koa is the scientific name. That's right. So it is endemic this exact species, and we're going to talk so much about that. It's gonna it's gonna it's honestly blows my mind. Wow, but a reasonable amount. Of a reasonable amount. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be thick and thorough and quite enjoyable our entire discussion <laughs> about about the koa and oh, Hawaii. Man. So I think I think this will be our second Hawaiian tree. What a great poll quote. 
for our podcast. What? Thick, thorough, and enjoyable. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, we need that on the front of, I don't know. What magazines are people reading these days about podcasts? Oh, none. Okay, we got to get this on Spotify then. That like oh, like sure. we, can, we can rent a banner. It'll be like a rotating banner with like, like a carousel. It'll okay, be yeah. like Lil Nas X, Billie Eilish completely arbitrary <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh but as long as we spell the thick with two c's i think people would be like okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. what is this about let's click on this and that'll then, grow our audience yeah do you think it would it would grow them in a few different ways <laughs> that's very good casey work thank you alex well casey let's talk koa oh let's let's do it so the reason we're doing this today is in fact a piggyback off of mm. our most, I guess it's not our most recent, it's a couple weeks past, uh, episode on the Brewers Spruce, you recall? Yes, we talked about endemism in that episode. Exactly. And if you're listening for the first time, for something to be endemic means that it only grows and is only found naturally in one place. Exactly. Some place that has some kind of boundary. Yeah. And when we talked with Michael, uh, we were talking about a tree. For those of you also, if you're just checking in, Michael Kaufman's an author that um, has written a couple of my favorite books and is all about the Klamath Mountains. So yeah. we uh, chatted with him um, and discussed exactly what it means to be endemic, specifically in the Klamath Mountains of Northern California and Southern Oregon. Yes. Now, in that case, the tree of our choosing was the Brewer Spruce, which is what they call a paleo-endemic species. Very, very old. Exactly. And it means that it used to have a much wider range, and now that range is restricted to only one spot. I think I know where you're going with this, Casey. Where are we going with is this? Is the koa a neo-endemic tree? Yes, it is. Is it means Alex. that it's a, just a younger tree. Smooth baby. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean it's a younger tree in a in a strict sense, but you're you're probably. I think that's that's an accurate statement, but it doesn't quite give the real definition. A neoendemic is a plant species that arose more recently through isolation and divergence from its parent lineage. So it. Casey's reading that off a cue card. No, I'm not, Alex. It's completely not true. Okay. Um, but yes, Alex, essentially you are right. It is a, a tree that has been isolated more recently, but not because it has reduced its uh, wherever it used to be growing. Yeah. It just got isolated genetically due to some reason. Okay. And now it's just there. It doesn't have anything to do with its geological age. Yeah. I, you know. It, I, I'm trying to like really go over that in my mind. I think it might at it's, some point. It's tricky because the word paleo. Yeah. I meant to believe that that's old, right? Right, exactly. And neo literally means new. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think honestly, you're probably right, but I'm not sure that it's like so fundamentally definitional. Okay. About it, but I think it might be one of those things. Like yes, also that is true. Okay. Before we get too far, um, I want to give some little, a little bit of context about hmm. where we're talking about Hawaii. Yeah. Now, a lot of people are native from Hawaii. They have an amazing culture and an amazing language. And I'm uh, just right off the bat. If I get any of this wrong, I'm very sorry. We'll do our best. <laughs> we're going to do our best. I have a couple friends from Hawaii. Yeah. And 
I don't know if our, our friend Daphne, yes. who made the mango mochi last yep. year, yep. I don't know if she still listens to the show, but I, the stakes are high for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Because if I, I want Daphne to be able to listen to this and not bristle at and not, any like, of it. And wince every yes. time we say yeah, something wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we can do this, Alex. Yeah. I believe in you. And you also, I believe, have a way better uh, grasp on language than I do. That's nice to say. It's been something you've repeated multiple times in this show where I would say something and you would say it better uh, <laughs> all the time. Like if it's like, like pronunciation. A, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can look at it in your brain for whatever reason I think is just better at it than I am. Interesting. Maybe the only thing I can, the only exception to that, if it, if it is a rule is saying like Latin names yeah, of plants. Yeah, big time. I got that on lock. For sure. Yeah, but anytime you're like, oh, here's how you say pay when. I'm like, oh, I was going to say pawan. There's something completely absurdly ridiculous. I, I appreciate that that compliment, Casey. Of course. I do love language. You're very good at it. Thank you. So here's some, here's some quick facts. The koa is Hawaii's second most common tree after the oia lahua. What is that tree? What is um, the scientific name is Metrosideris polymorpha. What in the world? It's just this amazing tree. It's in the myrtle family. Myrtle. And uh, yeah, it's a O with a flat line, H I apostrophe A, L E H U A. And that is the most common tree uh, on all of the islands. And the second most is our koa. Also, I should note there are two different species of koa. One is the one we're talking about, which is acacia koa. The other one is acacia koaia, which is kind of a smaller, uh, harder wooded, but more diminutive tree. It doesn't grow quite to the size of the tree that we're using today. Okay. It's like a little, uh, is a different species. Yeah, different species. Different okay. species entirely. Related entirely yeah, as well? Closely related, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's the other thing. Hawaii's tallest tree is the koa, 115 feet tall. Damn. Yeah, so it's the tallest of all the trees that grow in this uh, okay. little island, archipelago. This is shaping up to be a good one. Another thing, I'm going to say archipelago, archipelago rather than archipelago. Oh, I've I've only heard archipelago. Okay, archipelago. Archipelago? Archipelago. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say archipelago. <laughs> Instead of archipelago? Yeah. Wait. <laughs> archipelago? Uh, so what, I, what was I saying earlier, Alex? That's okay. like, aren't you glad I, like, aren't you, archipelago? <laughs> archipelago, I didn't Banana. say. Banana. Banana. Okay, here's the next one. Uh, it grows extremely fast on good on good sites, about okay. thirty feet in five years. Isn't that insane? Well, you got that volcanic soil over there, Casey. Yeah, and apparently they love it. Yeah, yeah, wow. Like the tomatoes of Vesuvius. Uh yes, those lovely tomatoes. I really want to know what the tomatoes of Mount Vesuvius are like. Uh, San Marzano tomatoes, oh, the most famous tomatoes in the world. Really? They grow in that volcanic soil, huh. and they, that's that's what that's where you get that taste. I absolutely had no idea. Is it Vesuvius? Yeah, I think so. There's okay, also yeah. like Mount Etna over there. Yeah, I think Vesuvius is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So the next one is uh, the Hawaiian Islands are the most isolated large islands in the world. Hmm. Now, this is something that I'm sure a bunch of other people will be like, meh, not really. And they'll have some other measure, but this is specifically for large islands. And this is a book that, or from a book that's called Hawaiian Heritage Plants. This is where I got this fact. Okay. Um, it's about 2,000 miles from the Americas and Alaska. 
and from Japan. And it's about 5,000 miles from either the Philippines or Australia. Dang. Now, I want to make sure that everyone's listening to these facts because at least a few of them are going to come up later. Or rather, you'll be like, wait, wait, I'm sorry. How far away is it? And then you'll be like, oh my God. We're planting the seeds here. Exactly. We're planting little koa seeds. Nice. Scarify them a little bit. Um, (laughs) that, That statistic makes me really wonder at the fact that people were able to get over there in the first place. Right. That's amazing. And they got there, they think about 1600 years ago. So people have been on Hawaii for that long. Wow. So thousand six hundred years ago, they, people came over on canoes, 2000 miles of bare ocean. (sighs) And they happened to find this one small, which is, you know, it's not small. It's a big island. It's literally called the big island. Isn't that amazing though? Yeah. it, It really blows your mind. Now, if people can do that, then all the other things had to also do that. And because they're so far away from everything else, it's hard for you to like think about how often this happens. Yeah. But then once it happens, that's kind of that's kind of it. Hmm. So 90% of the native flora of Hawaii is found nowhere else on Earth. Ooh, is this this is not a this is not an Australia situation, right? Um, Where it, it broke off and no, exactly. had to evolve on its own. Precisely. So the difference that you're bringing up, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Australia used to be connected, so plants came down and were all kind of together. Yeah. Then it broke off, and then they were isolated. Okay. Hawaii Mm -hmm. literally bubbled up from the ground. So it has never been connected to anything. At least, you know, maybe there was a volcano that was connected, you know, millions and millions and millions of years ago. But at this point, that's completely removed. Exactly. It's that now it's been in the ocean for millions and millions of years. Wow. And so the oldest island that is out right now is Kauai and its age is about 5.1 million years. Damn. So that's as long as it's been here. Oh, that's young. That's young. It's extremely young. Yeah. And so 2% came from air currents like spores uh, of mosses and ferns and things like that. Oh, interesting. 25% came via ocean currents um, or like on on rafts is kind of the term where like, let's say a big chunk of like a tree with a bunch of other things, you know, all kind of just breaks off of an island because of erosion or something in a big storm. And then it kind of floats to the next place. That's a possibility, or literally a tiny little fruit or a big fruit like a um, a coconut lands in the water, bobs there for a couple years or however long, goes on the currents, lands on the seashore, becomes a new you know colonizer of this new earth that has nothing else on it. Cool. So all of this, all of this uh, is paled in comparison to what birds do. Fifty percent of the native flora came via a bird traveling from point A to point B, point B being Hawaii. Through its feces? One or the other. Carrying could in be, its beak? It, yeah, swallowed it, and it was just stuck in its uh, digestional tract for a while. Yeah. Apparently, can, some seeds stay there for like two weeks or more. 50%. 50%. Wow. Other times, it gets caught, like you're saying, in the mud, in its, uh, in its uh, uh, feathers or on its feet, something like that. The bird killer? Remember that guy? Exactly, the bird yeah. Catcher? So I'm, yeah. I, would, I, I would have to look it up. I should have 
I'm a fool. Oh, why do you say this? I'm not sure that I looked up if the Pasonia grows here or if there is a Pasonia species that grows in uh, in Hawaii. So we'll, f- we'll figure it out when we cover yeah, we'll, the we'll uh, figure it out. Awea Lehua. Yes, precisely. So um, that is the quick primer of some interesting facts about Hawaii. It is truly an astounding uh, ecological place yeah. for all for all you you just name it and honestly if there was an opportunity to go see what hawaii was like before the colonists came over like Mm -hmm. the portuguese and the english and all these other people that would have been such an interesting an interesting thing to have people live there for well over a thousand years and develop and bring their polynesian cultures over to hawaii like it's just it's a fascinating whole fascinating thing it seems like a uh, very special place, Casey. I've never been. I would like to someday in yeah. a responsible manner. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe if we, uh, hey, maybe if you go buy some t-shirts at arbitrarypod.com. Oh my gosh. Casey and I won't be able to afford to go to Hawaii. <laughs> we can go to Hawaii. <laughs> we promise it's a work trip, you guys. Yes. We promise. Oh my God. If we could record episodes from Hawaii, yeah. come on. Alex, we can record episodes anywhere it's true we got a mobile setup yeah here. we can do this uh hey we have lots more to say yes we do about the co-op but we got to take a quick break first we'll be right back with more completely arbitrary welding instructor alex declare knows firsthand how vr training platforms like forge fx can help meet the demand for skilled workers anywhere you go look there's going to be a shortage of welders VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the Koa of Hawaii. That's right. Casey, we've got some... I'm, I'm really excited for this one. I love anything, any tree to do with a tropical space. You are a tropical boy, aren't you? I'm a tropical boy. You're a conifer man. Yeah. I'm a tropical boy. Yeah, that's fair. Even though I've never been to the tropics. <laughs> but they look amazing. <laughs> I just love the concept. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's all right. I, I also adore the concept, but I have uh in, I haven't in, I've been there a few times to a few different tropics. Yeah. But uh they look so much nicer on TV. Sure. Because it's not like ninety degrees and ninety percent humidity <sighs> all the time. Covered in mosquitoes. Yeah. So it's it's nice to see things happening, be like, wow, that looks so beautiful. And imagine it's like a nice sixty degree day. There's right. maybe forty percent humidity. You're feeling good and you're watching all these interesting monkeys fly through these tropical trees. I wish that would be the case. So yeah. I think we're going to have a rude awakening when we get there. Hey, when if VR keeps getting better and better, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's we'll be right. able to do it someday, <laughs> okay. Case. Sounds good. 
So we are today talking about acacia koa, which is known as the koa tree. Now, a quick little bit about this tree. It's endemic, as we said, to Hawaii. In the major islands of Hawaii, Molokai, Maui, Lanai, Oahu, and Kauai. It is, as we already noted, the tallest growing tree in Hawaii. Can get up to like 35 meters, 115 feet tall. Or if you plant it in the streets in less perfect places, usually it's like 50 to 60, maybe up to 80 feet like that. That's still pretty big. It's still a pretty huge Damn. tree. You, you would think that it would, it would be the same size as all the other trees, but apparently it's just head and shoulders above yeah. many other trees that are native to this, this little island chain. Sweet. Now, it grows not at the very base of these, uh, of these, these beaches and things. It prefers, and this is kind of a unique thing, hmm. to grow. It's Okay, it's not unique, but it's an important note. They do not grow below about 300 or so feet. They can oh. grow all the way up to 7,500 feet. Dang. So they grow it, at those higher and mid elevations up the slopes of all these giant big canyons and mountains on these islands. And you said 7,000 something? Yeah, 7,500 okay. feet. I did a quick Google for, for context. Uh -huh. The highest peak on Hawaii is 13,796 feet. God, that's just amazing. So this isn't, is this is like an alpine tree. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It basically is. Or maybe it's like, it's like, I would say it's a sub alpine tree. That's what I meant to say, okay, Casey. Yeah. Honestly, just, I believe we just you. talked about this and I, we did. Yeah. But I'm I'm not trying to say you're misrepresenting it. I'm saying I just think no, there once you get up to higher, yeah. I think there's actually like trees that are like the tropical cool trees, which is always wild to me to think about. We need to cover one of those stats. Yeah, we're gonna well we have to go see what they are first. Oh yes. So yes. Yeah, Arbitrarypod.com slash merch. Please send us to Hawaii so we can cover <laughs> Hawaii trees. <laughs> So uh, it's a yeah, it's a big it's a it's a big tree that grows in the mountains and does not, and I say this again, grow below about three hundred or four hundred feet. So you're not going to find it washing up on shore okay. and growing there. So they're like they know this tree, like everything else in Hawaii, came from somewhere because Hawaii at one point did not exist. It was underneath the water. It was a big mountain that has blown up over time. Mm -hmm. So we are we have to say okay, we can we can deduce that this did not float here. We also know that it is a uh, a tree in the Fabaceae, which is the pea family. Yeah. So it has little pea pods Aww. and those little pea pods have little tiny black seeds in them. And those adorable little black seeds um, do not do not like to be in salt water. They will hit ah. salt water and they will be and they'll just die. Explode. Yeah, they don't like it. They will not grow. They will not uh, take being submerged and uh, then replanted. They will just go kaput. So uh, you have these lovely little pea pods and the pea pods grow um, with the mm. peas horizontally uh, in the pea pod. And if you're trying to figure out the difference between our koa, which is uh, acacia koa and the other one which is acacia koea i think i know what is it acacia koa is bigger well the other thing in case you couldn't tell if they were baby trees and you just saw the fruit yeah the acacia koa has the peas inside with quotes that are facing end to end so they're not uh they're not horizontal Ko koaia 
Wait. Yeah, it's uh, so it's it's acacia, and it's spelled K O A I A. Yes. Kawaii. Kawaii. We'll call it little koa. Yeah, little koa and big koa. Yeah, let's do that. There for we now. go. So our big koa. Um, it also does one of the most fascinating things that stunned me. Do Alex. tell. Wow. So the leaves. The leaves, the leaves, the leaves. Wow. They are alternately arranged down the stem, like most everything in the pea family. Okay. The leaves, however, are not real. Hmm. They're a trick. They're a trick. Juvenile trees make small little leaves. They're, well, they're normal-sized leaves, but they're covered with bipinnately compound leaflets. Okay. So a bipinnately compound leaf, of course, as we all we all know, has one main stem or one main petiole coming out, and then that breaks into small petiolules, which then are covered with tiny little leaflets. So think a, uh, a black walnut, mm-hmm. but each one of the black walnut leaflets is also broken down into leaflets, right? Right. However, when this tree gets to a certain age, it stops producing the leaflets entirely. Okay. No more official leaf. And it turns into a phyllod. Phyllod. Yeah, you ever you ever heard of that? I don't think so. It is it's amazing. <laughs> Casey has got a big grin on his face. It is, Alex, <laughs> it is not even a leaf. It is a modified petiole or rachis, which is a rachis Whoa. is that mid vein kind of that is yeah. exposed. And it flattens out and has like three or four long veins that are going up it. Okay. And it looks like a eucalyptus leaf. But it is not a leaf. It is not a leaf. Here is it. Here's an example. Yeah. So the the small little leaflets, those are the leaves. Those are the entire things. Those are the compound leaves. Yeah. That sickle shaped, long leaf looking thing. Yeah. Is actually just the stem tissue, the petiole that flattens out and does all the rest of the photosynthesizing. So the leaflets, yeah. those those are only on juvenile trees? Correct. And then what, eventually they lose those? Yeah, as the tree ages, uh-huh. like I mean over maybe a year or two, the tree just stops producing the leaflets entirely. It's like a leaf transformation. Yeah, exactly. And you can see this in trans it like in situ where you can see a big long petiole that has widened and turned itself into what is essentially a leaf but technically a a phyllode. And then at the very end you see these little like poofs of little uh, little leaflets coming out because it's not quite decided to make the transition yet. Very like curious. The petiole has has made its transition, but it's like it's like those uh the emperor penguins that you can see the little babies, they're covered in this adorable little mm-hmm. fur and then you see the juveniles that aren't quite adults that have like the slick penguin fur or yeah. penguin feathers. Yeah. And with like these little tufts of little like mottled. It's baby, <laughs> yes. you know, feathers. <laughs> That's kind of what it looks like. Wow. Isn't that just out of this world? Can you think of another tree that does something like that? I can, but it'll give away the rest of this. Oh, okay. But it turns out 
a bunch of the acacias down in Australia do um, this. Like okay. it's a very common thing for acacia. It's an acacia thing. Yeah. Now it's like Targaryens marrying each other. Yes, it is. The acacias it's, do this weird leaf thing. Exactly. It's the same thing as a Targaryen marrying each other. Yeah. It's just what they do, man. Okay. <laughs> just let them. Just let them be themselves. Gross. It's as normal as a Targaryen incest, you guys. <laughs> Everybody relax. Everyone just relax. Honestly, I want to know what I'm supposed to be visually imagining. Mm. Your scene as you're making that excuse to somebody. <laughs> oh man! So then oh, Lord. we have to talk about the flowers as well. Yeah, these, these little yellow puff balls. We got some puff balls. Now you recall we've talked about the a couple different vichelias. I was uh, gonna say the umbrella thorn. Yeah, this has umbrella thorn puff balls. It totally is. It's got it. It's got it all. Yeah, they're very closely related. You'll recall when we did the mimosa thorn that they had switched the names up where all of these things used to be acacia. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, honestly, these just aren't acacias anymore. We have to change these. So they used to be all in the same genus, the Vichelia and acacia, but now they are switched. Right. Rather, I guess, go listen to that episode, everyone. You'll understand why I just said switched. <laughs> it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a fun one. You know, it's real fun. Unlike most of our episodes, it's a bit of a fun one. Exactly, exactly. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that is the, that's like the thing about this tree. The bark, though, is kind of the last thing that really should be noted. Okay. Um, I, I'm just kind of like, I keep remembering all these other things. Obviously, there's like several attributes we always cover, but each one in and of themselves is something that I feel is like just worth looking at. Yeah. You know? It's like, it's the opposite of a utility tree where it's got a bunch of really cool shit all the time. Hell yeah. The bark stays really smooth when it gets young. Okay. And then as it gets to like a certain age, it's again, it's like this, you can very easily tell this adolescent versus kind of early 20s kind of tree. It starts to split beautifully, hmm. and it looks a lot like all the other uh, different kind of pea family plants where it has smooth bark that all at once, all it's almost like overnight, it just all of a sudden goes and kind of like rips out of its outer shirt. Wow. You know? Um, in fact, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, the trees that um, this reminds me of mostly is the Pacific willow. And there's hmm. another, it's very closely related to a couple different willow species. Um, not, not our tree we're talking about, but the Pacific willow. And they all have that really cool bark where it's like, it doesn't get very thick and furrowed um, until it's really old. But as it goes from juvenile to adult, you can really tell that it's like almost just ripping out of its outer skin. And then the wood of the koa shows through. Oh, it doesn't, not the wood, just the other, the next the layer of inner bark, bark down okay. there. Got but it. Alex... Don't even get me started on the wood. Well, that's a whole other topic. It, it is a whole other topic. In fact, Alex, I'm not going to get started on it because I have it in good authority <laughs> that you are going to tell us a bit about the wood of this I'm going to do my best, Case. This is a tree. Could you, real quick, let's get the, do we have the jank of hardness of, a, of this? Oh, I can certainly find it. That's really what we need to know here because uh, uh, this is really the, the kind of thing that, that gets a tree to be a champion or not. Yeah, let's see. We're going to the wood hyphen database.com i'm gonna type in koa it's of course searching the jenka hardness of the koa is 1170 whoa that's high that's very high oh my god however the jenka hardness of little koa uh-huh 3250 
What? 3,250. Oh, my God. Why didn't these guys compete in the tournament, huh? They, they didn't have a... They didn't. They didn't have their agent talk to talk to us. Yeah, you have to have a certified agent reach out to the the pod in order to get your tree on the pod. Of course, and you have to pay the application fee. Exactly, which is which is three thousand two hundred and fifty jank of hardness. Bucks. Yes, you have to be at least this hard to ride this ride. <laughs> um, well, Casey, oh, how about some uh, how about some Croson's homegrown trivia? Yeah, give us uh, give us the lowdown here. All right, so let's start with the word itself. Koa in native Hawaiian language, koa means warrior ah uh, yes 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 I, and it's purported uh, by that i mean i read it once on a website that it's called it's called warrior because of the first king of the hawaiian islands kamehameha the great uh-huh uh who used koa for canoes for yeah. his warriors and my favorite find of the day the Leomano. The Leomano is one badass motherfucker knife. Oh my god. <laughs> that that's that's the one with the um uh shark teeth yes. around the outside. Yes, it has a handle what that like hell? a ring handle, and then it has sort of this hoop that comes out from it, and it has in shark teeth embedded into the outside of the hoop. What? I would assume that you would use this to cut a guy's throat yeah to um, just swing, swing at him bash at someone yes. and they're like yeah i'm not gonna go over there yeah they have a, what was the term for that uh it's called a leomano jeez that's terrifying oh, god and it'll never break even if the the teeth fall out now it's just a bludgeon of the hardest wood yeah. on the whole island <laughs> exactly god and in hawaiian in the hawaiian language it may that may be derived from leomano which means a shark's lay Oh, I see. Because it's sort of in a it's yeah. sort of in a necklace shape. Fascinating. I love language in that regard. Oh, God, me too. As a musician, as a guitarist, uh-huh. I am mostly familiar with koa as a guitar wood, Casey. Um, I don't have a koa guitar, but I know they're very popular. Mm. But it wasn't used to make instruments until the 1800s, which I thought was kind of late. Yeah, it feels like it. When Portuguese colonizers came to the Hawaiian Islands... They brought a cavaquino, which is a little four-stringed instrument okay. made of wood, and Hawaiians loved it. Yeah, did it, and then they, they adopted it, kind of made it their own with their own wood and, and songs and yeah, culture. Yeah, exactly. So ah. if, you look up a, if you look up a cavaquino, it looks like a ukulele. Yeah, gotcha. Ukulele. That it is believed that's where the ukulele came from, was this, was this little four-stringed Yeah, there are a lot of those kind of cultural things with um, like traditional um, peoples in Bolivia. They wear like bowler hats. Oh, wow. And it's like the backstory of like how this all like kind of happened isn't necessarily like good. Like sometimes it's like you just you wear this hat like it's almost like, man, we don't care. But then these cultures sometimes take things from their colonizers and like turn it into their own cultural thing mm-hmm. and they like re uh, reimagine it as something that is very much their own yeah which i always like that so it's like it's nice to see the nice kinds of uh cultural crosses you know yeah. those are always pleasant my favorite example of one of those is the the fact that um polish immigrants brought their music to mexico oh and mexican people loved polka <laughs> 
and they made a whole new <gasps> genre of music no based way. on polka called mariachi. I had no idea. Yeah. That That's is so Mariachi good. has these big guitars and a big thumping bass and accordion. Yeah. Yeah. I never. And trumpets and I tubas I never put that together. Yeah. That, that is just spectacular. Yeah. In guitars, koa is considered a tone wood, so it really affects how the guitar sounds. It's the wood that most mostly affects how the guitar sounds, because uh, guitars are yeah. made with three or four woods sometimes. Now, now, Alex, we've covered this. Oh, we sure have, Casey. If you go listen to our Western Red Cedar episode from way back in the day, mm-hmm. we talked to Sam Stewart, our buddy over at Strum in PDX, uh, who knew way more about guitar woods than I would have ever thought anybody could. Um, that whole interview is in that episode. Yeah, that was a delight. Yeah, it was awesome. So if you want to learn more about Tonewood, there, there's your there's your plug for that episode. Gotcha. Um, a Koa guitar right off the shelf is going to be kind of tight and bright. What that means is that it's going to be very, uh, there's going to be a lot of high end. It's going to be kind of astringent and tinny, mm-hmm. um, very sharp and sparkly sounding with not a lot of mid, low or low end okay. sounds. Uh, but the more you play play it, the more you play into it, uh, the older the wood gets. It's yeah. gonna it's gonna be a little more warmer and well rounded. That's so fascinating. And it happens over time. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it gets like it's like a cast iron pan. It gets better over time. That's true, Casey. That's a great analogy. All right. Um, this led this bit of trivia led me to a organization called Pacific Rim Tone Woods. They supply wood to luthiers, which is a guitar maker. Um, they have two forestry programs, I guess, Casey. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Like uh, what one of them is described as a demonstration forest. Yes. Uh, that's the one in Hawaii. Yeah. And then they have essentially a, I guess it would be a plantation um, forest here in the Pacific Northwest in Washington. Yes. Utopia is, they have their maple project, big, big leaf maple project in, in Washington. Yeah. And Siglo, they have their Koa project in Hawaii. Oh, and it comes back to Koa. That's it so good. It sure does. As, almost as if, as if planned, Casey. Oh, <laughs> how curious. Um, so Siglo, they have, I mean, you can go to their websites, go to check out, check out a uh, Pacific Rim, Rim Tone Woods. Um, I, I, I noted to you that these websites have that, like that, uh, and I'm not making any accusations here. I want to make yeah. that very clear. But when we were looking, when we were researching for chocolate, yeah, there yeah. were these websites for big chocolate that were like, had all these beautiful photos of, you know, the, the native people and the white people, the white chocolatiers like Everyone's working together smiling, and smiling quite happy. There's and then, yeah, Mr. Nestle, like right. pulling a child <laughs> out of a, a pit trap or something. And then we discovered that it's like this, this like slave labor human trafficking yeah. shit it was like a it was like um an industry group kind of thing yeah where they're they're it's essentially a marketing scheme to keep to make chocolate look not so bad right when coffee when, too right that's yeah coffee has a lot of these yeah. kinds of things as well because those are like the two biggest uh like commodities and i say that there's lots of bigger commodities but those are the two ones that are like prevalent in like 
everywhere all the time. Yeah. And they are, it's like you said, one of several. But yeah, you, we, we look through there and we're like, wait a second. And you look at like who's paying for these things. And right. it's like the Chocolate Chocolatiers Association of America and like yeah. this lobbyist group. And like, you're like, oh, wait a second. So this website for for Pacific Rim Tone Woods has a hint of that. Yeah. But I, I'm making no accusations. They have videos on here with the people who work there who there's, I mean, they, they've, it's very clear that they care about trees. Yes. Not yeah. just about cutting them down to sell. Yeah. Well, maybe Alex, what we should do is reach out and give them the, give them the fifth degree. See, uh, Ooh, see okay. a bit about what their, what their thing is. Put them on trial a little yeah. bit. Well, yeah, I guess uh, that, yeah. It's here we call like, it trial. Yeah. Yeah. We call it a trial and we usually put it up on our Patreon afterwards because they're usually great conversations. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that is, yeah, we want to be careful because Alex, I think kind of what you're hinting at here is that co is one of the most sought after tropical species of wood and it only grows native in Hawaii. There's another closely related species that only grows native on the Reunion Islands, Reunion, and uh, oh, it's only one island. I keep on doing that. I oh. did this this entire research. There's the island. It's in the Mascarenes, <laughs> but there's one island called Reunion. Anyway, um, Yes, you're so forgiven, it's, Casey. Thank you, Alex. I really appreciate it. Your reunion transgressions. Yes. So yeah, it's it's important to to note when there is a resource tree like this that is potentially constantly getting cut down yeah. at the expense of the local uh, economy or culture or whatever it is. Whenever you see a really nice, well done, flashy website. Sometimes they just are, they're actually doing what they're actually doing. Yeah. Other times they're just masking what they're actually doing, making it look really good. Yeah. And I, we're not making any accusations. I, I, that was more of a, just a side comment really, it was, but it yeah. opened up into something else, which is fine. Right. But it's an, it's an important thing to realize, I think, because yeah. we're, we're talking about this one particular tree. So you always want to be like, okay, you know, tentative right so i really would i think it would be really a good thing to like reach out maybe yeah. see like hey so what exactly are you guys doing like give it give us a give us a give us a little bit we can give to our tree friends here and maybe we can maybe we can see how well they're doing uh in terms of their demonstration forest give them a grade yeah not that we are you know good at rating <laughs> things but you know we we're can try. the certifiers casey never <laughs> forget we? is that the case cool yeah so any so yeah they are they are uh siglo this this hawaiian forestry program yeah is just planting huge plantations of koa trees um i'm assuming to harvest just for guitars and such but, yeah i think when we were um, reading through it it was yeah they're of course doing it for the guitar wood for a product but they're trying to do it in a sustainable way yeah they also care about making a forest exactly and yeah. trying to reclaim it from uh pasture land which yeah it has never been there's never been pasture things on hawaii so pasture land is not real Oh, you're saying that pasture land only came with the colonialists? Yes. Okay. Precisely. Precisely. But before that, it's not like it's not like cows were grazing on yeah Hawaii. Exactly. There yeah. were the only things that came were with the initial uh, Polynesians who came to the island. Um, 
way, way back when, like I said, 1,600 years ago, yeah. they came and they brought some of their own plants and animals from their native lands. So, you know, it's a, it's kind of a funny thing to think about the difference in, you know, those two events and how we look at them so differently, you know? Yeah. So it's just a, a matter of how you use your space, I suppose. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Casey, there's your homegrown <laughs> trivia. Yeah, I think that was, I, I'm so happy. I really enjoy when you do homegrown trivia. Well, thanks. Yes. I haven't I haven't done it in a bit and mm-hmm. I I, I kind of got the itch today because it's a tree that I I that is uh, I care about. Yeah, it's close to your heart here. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to talk about uh, colonization, but of a different sort, Alex. Wow. Have you ever considered how far away Hawaii is from every other place? Well, if I had to guess, uh, one moment. <clears throat> <laughs> Take your time. And this is just off the top of my head. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would say that Hawaii is roughly, oh, I can't find it in my head. Um, (laughs) You're thinking really hard. I can see, I can see your, (laughs) I I can see that you need to scroll up a little bit higher. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, in my head, I need to scroll up and it's roughly about 2,000 miles away from the nearest, like, big continent. Yeah. Okay. That's your, you, you, you're spot on. I don't know how you knew that. And then 5,000 miles on the other side. Yeah, from a different continent. Yeah, Yeah. it's totally true. Now, the odds of some new plant colonizing these islands is somewhat astronomical. Mm. And the way we know that this is astronomical is because some people have really, really looked into it. Astronomically bad? Uh, well, no, just not, yeah, astronomically not good that you would get something there. Okay. I'm trying to think odds. Are odds really, I guess you have good and bad odds, yeah. Low odds that you're going to actually get uh, some plant to grow out there. And I'll, I'll explain why. Yeah. You have a chance happening that a seed in a fruit or in a bird or a spore flying through the air is going to have all the right things happen to get it from point A at least 2,000 miles away over to point B, Hawaii. And then it has to not only survive the journey, right. it has to then find a spot that is conducive for it to grow. Which is hard enough on its own. Exactly. What if that bird carrying the very first koa came over and decided that it was going to poop on the beach instead of right. way up at least 300 and some feet in the mountains? And it's like a new place where you aren't guaranteed that anything will take to the soil or exactly. whatever. Yeah, there's so many unknowns. What yeah. if it lands on a rock instead? You right. know? What if it happens to not rain that day? Who knows? Well, nature does find a way, Casey. Nature does. It always finds a way. And it turns out, on average, it found a way once every 50,000 years in Hawaii. Once every... Oh, wow. That is about the average time uh, that a plant has come over, was not there, and then colonized the islands of Hawaii. Every 50,000 years or so. Yeah, because there's only, there's just a little over 1,000 native species of flowering plants and ferns. Well, those are terrible odds. Terrible odds. And this is, again, it's also the math is based on Kauai being the oldest exposed island, which it should be noted, there's other old seamounts that are underneath the water. Hmm. So if sea levels were lower, other islands 
used to be <gasps> uh, actually exposed. Cool. Isn't that wild to think about? That's like a good science fiction premise. Oh, it totally is. Re- reduce it and find like an entire other like culture of people yeah. that used to live. It's like Atlantis essentially. Oh my God, cool. Yeah, Hawaiian Atlantis. <clears throat> oh, that was sick. <laughs> so... That is um, that is about the odds. And so some folks have studied this, and we call them biogeographers. Oh. We've talked about biogeography um, a few times. And specifically, uh, the whole idea came from islands. So the whole subject is island biogeography. Okay. And essentially, uh, the idea is how do things colonize spaces what is the carrying capacity uh in terms of the size of a space and the resources on that space to support x amount of you know population of whatever that was a lot does that make any sense can you repeat that i'm sorry so the idea is what are the odds of something getting to a remote island Mm -hmm. and once it gets there what how big does that island need to be and what's the carrying capacity of it in terms of resources for something to create a viable reproducing population okay so it's like a formula for life getting to this island yes exactly and that mostly has uh some some that theory predicts uh the biodiversities are mainly products of immigration extinction the island's size and its proximity to other nearest mainlands. Ah, and as we know, Hawaii is very far from other mainlands. Exactly. So that that makes sense that there uh, the odds would be low for something to get there. Precisely. So that's why we realize it's about every fifty thousand years on average. I'm not trying to say that literally sure. every fifty thousand years a new seed landed. It's coming but, up, ah, Casey. We got a new tree species on its way. We're pretty sure. <laughs> there Check it is. There. Look. Wow, it's there. Hi. <laughs> Yeah, so this is a um, this is an idea that um, I really dove into uh, in this book um, by David Quammen called "The Song of the Dodo," a wonderful book. If you go to our website, you can you can find it, and you can either buy it through that link or go get it yourself somewhere else, or just look at the cover and be like, "Wow, that looks cool." You love this book. I've I heard love, you talk about it so many times. I just love it, Alex. Even it's before so we started this podcast, I heard you talk about yeah, it. Yeah, right. My good friend Max Anderson bought it for me because I have a tattoo of a dodo. So he's right. like, "Yeah, cool, dodo. I'll get this for Casey." And then it turns out it was just such a fantastic book. Literally, he only judged it by the cover and then <laughs> got it for me. And hey, I'm, hey, great. Sometimes great it pays to judge a book by its cover. Sometimes it does. Yeah. So we ended up, I read through this, and it's all about island biogeography. So it's like, okay, the further away you are, the less likely it is that something from the mainland is going to get there. Sure. The smaller the island the fewer resources and the smaller uh the carrying capacity or the lower the carrying capacity is and this is um similar if you do the reverse where you say okay we want to protect um some species how big of a space do we need to protect this species so you can kind of do it you know both ways like Mm. like fragmentation of habitat you know okay because an island is not only a literal island like what we're talking about here, it could be something that is a an island in some regard. The hmm. giant peaks of California that are above 14,000 feet that have bristlecone pines. Ah. Each one of those peaks oh, yeah. is essentially an island. I remember us talking about this at yeah. some point. Was we, it our rain, when we were talking about rain shadows or something? Um, 
No, well, we we kind of hit on it a little bit. We definitely talked about it on the Bristlecone Pine episode. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, of. so it's we've it's a subject that comes up often just when we talk about how evolution happens. Yeah, this is a big driver of it. Is this island biogeography this entire idea? So I know I'm sure we've brought it up a few times. And then if you just use the the term island, uh, what they use it, they call them sky islands. Okay, I was going to ask if there was a different term because yeah, we know islands is a very specific thing right so this is kind of the idea that people are thinking about like okay so let's let's apply this to hawaii hawaii is big enough that it has a pretty huge carrying capacity it can supply lots of resources for lots of things which is why it kept getting more and more and more and more things Mm. however the koa is unique because some scientists were like well we got this really cool tree what what what's this closest relative they ended up finding this other tree that grows down in Reunion. And Reunion is a small little island that is approximately 18,000 kilometers away from Hawaii. Wow. Now, for those of you who are doing the math, uh, 18,000 kilometers is approximately 11,184 miles away. Now, Let's just think for a second, Alex. 11,184 miles. That is so far away. Yeah. One, say it again. 1,000? No, 11,000. Oh, plus 10,000. Okay. Yes. Yeah, just, just a, a quick little 10,000. 11,000 miles. Yeah, that is like I drove across the country down from Oregon to California all the way over to Georgia, all the way up to Washington, D.C., and then back down through the southwest and back up. Yeah. And I think that reached about 10,100 miles. Jesus. So I'm still ten or 1,000 miles short from the distance between Reunion and Hawaii. Wow. One's in the Indian Ocean, the other's in the Pacific. So what is the most likely transporter Yes. for that seed? A bird. Of course. It can't do anything else. We know this. It can't live in the water. The seeds die. It also doesn't grow near where the water would throw its seeds up on the bank. Sure. It needs to be up a little bit higher. However, here's the here's the interesting thing, Alex. I love this. <laughs> Casey Smitten. This is not the relationship that everyone thought it initially was. Uh. Hawaii has had koa for about five million years. Which is about how old Hawaii is. Exactly. So it probably got there as soon as the islands started popping up and mm. they could support a tree species. Meanwhile, when you look at the closest relative of both of these two trees, and I should note, the other one we're talking about is Acacia heterophylla, um, which they call the Highland Tamarind. That's on Reunion. Tamarind, okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, the most closely related other species is Acacia melanoxylon, which is called the Blackwood Acacia from Eastern Australia. Okay. So... They know, they can see that these trees grow in kind of similar habitats. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, so this this totally makes sense. They did a big gene, genealogical study and created a family tree. And they've learned that it went from Australia, 5,000 miles up to Hawaii, chilled there. And then another bird took another koa seed from Hawaii and flew that about 1.4 million years ago 
all the way over to Reunion. Wow. Dropped a seed there in the same habitat zone that it could actually live in and started another population. Birds, man. They did this. I Like, what the hell? How does a bird decide that it's going to fly 5,000 miles and then another bird be like, you know what? I'm going to fly 11,000 miles. Yeah. And I have to say, I always imagine these birds just aren't pooping this whole time. <laughs> They're <laughs> constipated over the ocean. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's accurate. Apparently, they have found some of these seeds can like stay in different places in their gut for like sure. a good while. Yeah, like, yeah. Weeks at a time. I Like purposefully, like they keep them sort of like re- stowed for those long trips. I don't know. I, I mean, don't, that would be cool. Yeah, I don't have a good answer. Um. Well, here's another question that with potentially no answer. Please. Do we know what species of bird that might have been? I think we do. And it's like a petrel. But okay. they're, they're not 100% sure because there's a couple different yeah. uh, things that they're trying to figure out. There's no real, like, good answer. Okay. Five million years is a pretty long time. Yeah. However, eh. they do know that there are certain birds that, that make their nests in this certain zone, and they don't make it further down. So oh, if they yeah. did, they went up there, they made a nest, they pooped out a seed, eh. then there you go. You got wow, it. Wow, okay. Working. Oh, my God. That's that's so crazy that people figured this out. It's it, like a it It's is. like a cold case, you know? Oh, like, Oh my God, right? And they use the DNA from the hockey rink's bathroom sink to <laughs> yeah. to find the worker who was with him on the last and then he figured out his last name was this. And there's it's like this yeah. huge puzzle. It's amazing. It's it, it seems almost impossible that's that people that human oh beings God. would be able to figure this out. And you know what? They did it, Alex, with uh, essentially an atomic clock of mutations. This is another thing we've talked about. Uh, and, you know, we're going to start saying that forever. We're like, yeah, we've talked about all this stuff before. Hey, we've passed 100, man. Yeah, yeah. Now we're just those old guys. We're like, well, back in my day, they yeah. used to use atomic clocks <laughs> to figure these things out. We really are becoming click and clack. <laughs> yeah. Well, they uh, they do this where every essentially they, they can count mutations in different gene codes. Yeah. And they can look back and they say, okay, um, we can expect that there's going to be a mutation about every this many years oh, on wow. average. Okay. So then that's also how speciation happens. Yeah. So from the blackwood acacia to the koa, they were like, yeah, that's actually, it's, you know, it's been split up and they found if they just went off of their conservative estimate that happened about 6 million years ago. Wow. So the numbers don't exactly add up, but they're about in the same area. So where our estimations are like, well, actually it's very likely that one bird right like when Hawaii was first popping above came over, dropped the seed. It started to speciate because it's had X amount of time to begin to be its new species. But Alex, huh? They also did this between the Highland Tamarin, our Acacia heterophylla, yeah. and our Acacia koa, the koa. And guess what? What? They are so closely related mm-hmm. that many people right now are basically like, no one's going to say this out loud, but they're the same species. Wow. It is, like, there's a couple small differences. Should we say it here, Casey? We should say it here. You go. It's the same species. That's incredible. The koa is on two different island chains across 11,184 miles of ocean and land. Wow. And it has been spread over there. Imagine if we give it another 16 million years. 
birds are just going to be like, well, I'm going to take it over here. And it'll find every niche that it possibly can because we're giving it that amount of time, even though to get to that niche is so, so like the odds are so against it. Yeah. Yet we have the evidence. It clearly has happened not only once, but twice to the same species. Casey, before we get into our review, should we note that we, you know, we very clearly stated up top that this is an endemic tree to the, to the Hawaiian Islands. Yeah. But it seems like maybe uh, it's not. Maybe it's not. That's the whole thing. That's that is why I was so excited about this episode because I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Like this could this like this research has been out since like 2014. Wow. Yet there's a lot of like people who are very proud of their tree. Sure. So there's a part of me that's also like, nah, it is. It's endemic for sure over there. And let's just let's just let it be two different species. Maybe the folks in reunion are like, yeah, this is this tree. We do this, we do this thing. And they have an entire other cultural taxonomy with it. Yeah. Why should we come in with our, our, our science that is for the most part irrelevant and be like, Oh, actually culturally, you're not that interesting. It's not that good. I'm with you case. Yeah. I think we should keep them as two different species. Nice. They've been apart for so long. They might as well be. And just, just leave it at that and just leave it at that, but kind of stand back and look and be like, that is cool. <laughs> you know? But why force our opinions on anyone? Just, just let it, just let it be. We'll be right back with our review. <laughs> yes, and then we, then we uh, immediately force our opinions on people. <laughs> uh, what a, what a little world we've built for ourselves. What a wonderful world. Right after the break, we'll be right back with more completely arbitrary. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. That was our discussion of the Koa. It's time for our review. Here's how it works. We're going to give some final thoughts on this tree and give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden cones of honor. That's right. Casey. Alex. As our resident... uh, Ocean-going bird. Sure. Thank you. We believe (laughs) with you. Thanks for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wanted to be an ocean-going bird. You got it, pal. I ever tell you if I ever uh, own my own bar that I want to call it the Wandering Albatross and make uh-huh. it nautical-themed? Cool. I have no affinity towards nautical things. I just really like that as the name. I think that's a Did great name and a great premise for a bar. Thank you, Alex. And Thank all you. of the food is regurgitated. <laughs> <gasps> oh, it, it's all different kinds of mashed potatoes. That's yes. it. <laughs> oh, that would be so good. Yeah, we can also baby bird it for an extra 20 bucks if you want. Yeah, In right the back now. room. Okay, Alex, our koa it is a tree. I am, I, I've, I'm so torn with this because mm. like I've never seen one of these trees like in my real life. And they appear, for all intents and purposes, to be spectacular. Like, giant crowns. They can get, like, 50 feet across. Wow. They are 115 feet tall. They have these beautiful little flowers. They make these sickle-shaped leaves that are technically not leaves that I love. I just think it's so interesting. They are they're trees that seem to have, they just seem to have it all. Mm. And I love a tree that has it all. Of course, you know me, I'm a lover of the superlative trees. That's right. So this is the biggest of all of the trees on Hawaii. Yeah. Love that about it. Yeah. And I also am a fan of like the cultural kind of rebound that's happening. Mm. 
not only are they making you know instruments and things out of the street, they are also having a revitalization of like making uh, traditional canoes in Hawaii. And I, I read this uh, in one of the many things that I read through this week. And so people are like, "Wow, okay, I want to go. I want to go get a, a traditional tree, a native koa, and cut it down and turn it into um, a thing." And cool. so they look around and they're like, well, "Where are where are all our big koas? Um, they've all been cut down. Most of their spaces, not most, much of their their habitat has been turned into um, grazing, you know, farm pastures and things like that, which destroys the trees. It kills them, and you know they just never really come back until you do a lot of work. So now people are like, "Oh man, we need to we need to get that back, reclaim this this tree and our cultural connection with it and mm-hmm. things." And I just I just dig that. Like I just always love when everything comes together yeah. in that way. Um, so for for me, like I think I'm gonna give the co op like uh, I really wanna go like a nine point one. Hell yeah. Because I just think I just think this tree's cool. It is clearly not overplanted, should be planted way more. And yeah. every picture that I see of it, it has that tropical emergent tree appearance to it, where it's like this this tree that stands head and shoulders above all the rest and just has this really curvaceous kind of bark or mm. kind of uh, branching pattern yeah. that then pops out with this big canopy and you're just like, damn, I want to be in that tree. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. So I think 9. it's yeah, 1. a 9.1. It's got it all. Very you should good. plant it and then cut it down, turn it into a canoe, come over here and let me take a ride in it. <laughs> but you have to canoe it across the 2,000 miles. Wow. To the old-fashioned way. The old-fashioned way. Thank you. 9.1 Golden Cones of Honor for the COA from Dendrologist Casey Clapp. Yeah. So, I, yeah, Alex, what what do you think? This is a tree that you also have very close to your heart for other reasons. Yeah, I've also never seen one with my real eyes in real life. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, I'm very drawn toward the COA. Mm-hmm. I like that it doesn't have a utility feature. Mm. Every part of it is unique and expressive and creative. Yeah. And speaking of expression and creativity... I love a, a wood that can be used to make an instrument. Yeah. doesn't matter what instrument. I'm down for it. Nice. Uh, I think its whole journey, its 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 51 million year journey is very fascinating. 51? 5.1. <laughs> I think its 5.1 million year journey is very fascinating. Uh, I love that, you know, birds get it done. Shit case. 9.5 golden cones of honor for the koa wow alex 9.5 you yeah. took it there you it's, really you really did this one good it's in my heart casey and i can't wait to see him when and if i visit the islands of hawaii uh me neither and i think this is our second week in a row what is it when a, a famous actor goes on to a show cameo a cameo yes a cameo from the world famous Melodica. That's right. <laughs> to the Koa, we induct you into the Golden Arboretum of Honor. We honor you. Congratulations, Koa. That was our review of the Koa. 
Casey. Spectacular. It's time for a bit of a game. Oh, yes. Okay, let's do this. Last week, mm-hmm. I was on a podcast. That's right. Actually, maybe a couple weeks ago. I was on a podcast called Honest Jams. Yeah. Hosted by Aol and Walker. Yeah, I saw Aol and you play together a couple weeks ago. That's right. We played a show at the Alberta Street Pub. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Uh, super sweet, sweet man. And I met his co-host, Walker, wonderful lady. The premise of the podcast mm-hmm. is that they have songwriters on the on the show. Okay. They give them a prompt ahead of time. Say, write a song about this yeah everybody the two hosts and the guests each write a song on the prompt do you have to use a certain instrument to write the song or it like be anything anything okay yeah you come in you share your songs you talk about your songwriting process it's i had so much fun it was like it sounds awesome i can't wait to go back if they ever want me back i'm there uh so in each episode they do they have a segment where they look up internet facts about the prompt okay my prompt was night Yes. As in the time of day. Yeah. However, because I am a tree podcaster, they prepared fun facts to do with night and trees. Oh. So. This. How it worked was that they, they gave me one of these prompt or one of these fun facts yeah. and asked how accurate it was. Gotcha. I gave my semi-professional opinion. <laughs> And then uh, I think at this point it is your professional opinion. I, I don't think you can te- be semi anymore. Technically, it is my professional opinion. Okay. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do here today, Case? I have these three. I have these three fun facts. All right. I'm going to read you one. I'm going to tell okay. you what I said. Okay. In response to these, and then we're going to see what you have to say and All how right. close I was to something that's factual. Sounds great. Okay. Let's All right. Do it. Here's the fr- and then, by the way, this podcast is called Honest Jams. I think by now my my episode is out. Um, but hey, give some other episodes a listen. They're really great hosts, and it's a wonderful show. Yeah, most definitely. We'll put the the link in the show notes, so you can go to our website, click on this show, and then you will be able to find all these cool things, as well as a bunch of other really cool resources that I found. So if you ever want to get more information on doing anything that has to do with the Koa, that's where to find it. Hell yeah. Here it is, Case. All right, what's our first one? Our first one is, can you sleep in a tree? Oh. If you intend to sleep 15 feet off the ground or higher, first learn to climb safely. You'll need 150 feet of arborist rope, a harness, a helmet, carabiners, and a special tree-sleeping hammock or a lightweight platform called a portal edge. Yeah. Before you ascend, check the weather. And this was from NewYorkTimes.com. Gotcha. Okay, New York Times. Not a not a bad uh, resource to begin with. No. Yeah. I oh. call them the New York Crimes. Yeah. But. Well. Yeah. Most people do. They are failing. So. <laughs> okay. Well. Um, what yeah. What was your answer? So to my this? answer was that of course those things are very safe. Yeah. But if you are looking to sleep fifteen feet up in a tree, it's a little bit overproduced. Yeah, I don't think you need right? all of that stuff. Yeah. I think that's like for the if you know. If you don't already, if you're not already a professional arborist and have that shit in your truck, yeah, you're not gonna like go to Next Adventure and buy three hundred dollars <laughs> worth of gear to sleep in the tr- in a tree for one night. Feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So I so I said it was like all sound advice, but like a little over overdone. Yeah, I think that's fair. I my first thought was like a treehouse that I built as a kid. Yeah, and I was like I, I didn't use a yeah. No, no, I just built that treehouse. Right, it was sweet. So I think that. 
you know, I I don't want to necessarily put my my uh, stump of approval on building a treehouse because I I think kids should do it. I love it. Looking back, it'd be like, oh, it's very dangerous. But yeah. I don't know. I survived. Whatever. Well, it doesn't mean everybody will. Exactly, and that's fine. <laughs> um, but with this, technically, and this is, you know, of course, because it's the New York Times, they have to be technical about things. Yes. Are they missing a few things? Also, yes. They don't have any safety glasses. If you're climbing a tree, you need safety glasses. No snacks. No snacks. No water. Also, yeah. they didn't say a goddamn thing about the knots. You have to know how to put all of these things together. It's like batteries not included, you right. know? So, also, 150 feet, my God. Maybe that's just because that's the smallest length you can get. But if you're oh, sleeping 15 yeah. feet off the ground, there's no reason for you to uh, go and set a line 75 feet up in a tree, <laughs> right. have it come down, and then climb your way up yeah. you know, 15 feet. So we're pretty much in agreement there. Yeah, I think I think you are right. Next one. Sick question. All right, what's next? <clears throat> Why is sleeping under a tree at night not advisable? Oh, Final answer, this says. <laughs> Sleeping under a tree is not advisable at night since photosynthesis does not occur. Oxygen is not being produced by the trees. In addition to this, the trees continue respiring, thereby causing the amount of carbon dioxide to be increased and the amount of oxygen to be reduced. Wow. Uh what did you think about this? <laughs> I thought this was pretty bunk, Casey. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, agree. This I, I agreed that the New York Times, right? This is, is uh, by Um, I agreed that trees don't photosynthesize at night. Correct. Yeah. Um, but it's not like they're. It's not that you're going to get carbon dioxide poisoning <laughs> yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's they're they're doing their thing all the time. Yeah, I think um, you got that one right. Yeah. That's there's there's not much more to to be said about that than it's like technically your your premise is correct, your conclusion out of proportion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I can't think of anyone who's been sleeping in the forest uh, <laughs> and asphyxiated because yeah. there's too much carbon dioxide from those goddamn trees. <laughs> Maybe if you were like in a vacuum and you sl- uh, but even then yeah i guess yeah i uh, think they're they're failing to note the amount of oxygen latent in the atmosphere right so yeah that's, that's the way it goes yeah. sometimes you miss somethings that's yeah. okay it's pretty irresponsible to like put that on a website <laughs> hey just don't go to www.arboriculture uh, completely arbitrary.com oh. some irresponsible things we've put on there <laughs> true okay casey last one all right here we go do trees sleep at night hmm. according to research Research. Okay, yeah, just what, generally. Yeah, exactly. While trees may not sleep in the same way animals do, they do relax their branches during nighttime, which suggests that yes, trees have activity rest cycles. These cycles can also vary depending on the tree species. That is so curious. This I, of all of them, this has my interest peaked the most. Interesting. Yeah. What did you say? I said that this is a bit of a sensationalist statement. Uh-huh. Trees aren't literally like, uh, like resting yeah, their branches down right? at night. Um, because I guess bec- they do have a, they do have a cycle. Yeah. Circadian cycle. Exactly. That's I say true. Circadium. Circadium. Circadian. Yeah. Ah, isn't that a stadium circadium? By right. Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> yeah. I love that album. <laughs> they have a cycle just like anything else. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they don't like, they don't like, uh, 
trees don't rest in the way that yeah. people do. This is too yeah. too much of a of a humanization, too much of a sensationalist. Exactly. Thing. Too much of a personification. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, a big thing that people have been doing for the last like ten years or fifteen years. Uh, which is fine as long as it gets people to be interested. Whatever. Sure. But, but I think there's a fine line between yeah, that and misinformation. Exactly. I think you're right. And so in this case, I can understand it. In fact, there are some plants that they close their leaves at night and then open them back up. Casey, when when given this statement, yeah, I, I don't. I didn't say leaves. I guess, but I did mention that. Uh, the magnolia flower yes, yeah, will, yeah, yeah. will close and open depending on what process it's going through. Precisely. But I did, but that doesn't support this statement. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't really go with the sleepiness to it. Yeah. So I, I can understand. I mean, there's also the idea that um, during photosynthesis, they're pumping sugars through, like they're kind of constantly doing stuff. So when they stop using the sugars, essentially the pressure of the sap moving through their veins reduces a tiny bit. Yeah. So it's that they're like using up what they have because now they're also, they're still using and respiring. So they're using their energy. So that might be that, yeah, there's like a little bit of like, Ooh, that because, tensile pressure or whatever. You, yeah, exactly. What is that called? Turger pressure. Turger pressure. Yeah, just how much water is in a plant. Right. Um, yeah, so that could reduce, thereby letting the branches reduce. But, I mean, the bigger the branch, the the less that's going to happen because now it's held up by the rigid wood, not the amount of pressure within the, the individual cells, like in a plant's uh, uh, leaf tissue or right. something like that. Okay. So, I agree. I think it's a little bit sensational. I think, though, this one has the most, like, yes, yes, kind of. It has promise. Yeah, it does. As a premise. Exactly. But then everything else after it, uh, again, is a little bit sensational, like you said. Yeah. yeah okay. I agree. I well, agree. hey, I pretty much nailed it, huh? You did. I think you did a great job. You proud of me, Pop? I sure am, kiddo. <laughs> great job out there. Let's go throw a ball. <laughs> So yeah, go listen to Honest Jams. It's a great podcast if you have any interest in songwriting or if you, hey, if you are a songwriter or if you want to like, if you're playing around with the idea of writing a song but don't know where to get started, it's, it's, uh, it, to me, it, it was a, po- it's a podcast that shows just how low stakes it can be to write yeah, a song. Gotcha. I think when you're, when you're starting out songwriting, it feels like, well, what if I do a bad job? It's like, mm-hmm. well, then you just, just pretend it never happened. And you write yeah, another one. Just do, just do it again. Um, and these people are writing a song every week. God, that's so many songs. It's so oh impressive. Yeah, it's called Honest Jams. Casey. Sounds great, Alex. That was our Honest Jam segment. Hey, there we go. <laughs> Honestly, I want people to do this now uh, every now and then. Just send us in a couple uh, a couple fun prompts. Yeah. See what we think about them. Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. Oh, I love the sound of that. I chose this question very specifically. Oh. Because of something you showed me that happened on Instagram recently. Oh. There was a a, a plant influencer uh-huh. on Instagram uh, yeah, yeah. who made a claim, and you never do this, but you commented on it. Yes, I did. Stating that it was incorrect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this person also said, I'm not an arborist, mm-hmm. but... And then proceeded to give, give a cultural advice. Advice, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which we thought was uncool mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and irresponsible. I do. I. I don't. I. You noted like I don't like yeah. throwing shade at people. I. I don't feed the trolls. In fact, I've had to through this podcast often 
we've had to have talks be like we're not responding yeah we just can't do it and so i hate being a troll as well so i don't like to do it i don't think you were doing that i tried very Um, hard not to because i also respect the person they're also putting out themselves on the on the world so yeah it it came from a genuine place yes um and i think their information i'm putting that in air quotes because Mm -hmm. it wasn't true yeah came from a genuine place yes but that place was just inherently false and they don't, they didn't know what they were saying. Yes. (laughs) Correct. So I chose this question because it kind of has to do with that topic. Okay. Yeah. Which was that a tree fell over. Okay. And the influencer claimed that it was because the canopy was overly heavy. It's too thick. Yes. And it needed thinning. Uh And remember everybody, this is a, a reminder to have your trees trimmed and thinned. Yes, you specifically respo- thin. Yes, you responded with, hey, thinning is actually counterproductive. Mm-hmm. It does the opposite of what you think it's doing. A good, full, healthy canopy is crucial to uh, wind dampening. Dampening. Yes, and that the entire reason that tree fell was surely because of the roots. Yes. And damage to the roots. Which were growing right next to a... a a driveway. driveway yeah and so and then the influencer also noted that the uh the driveway there's no good roots underneath the driveway not because something happened to the roots but because the trees growing to the driveway so all those roots just you know aren't very strong just just not the case like yeah. there's there, that is not a if this then that statement right it does not follow many roots are extremely strong wherever they grow uh yeah un- unless something happened to them sure. it might have been that they cut them and then installed the driveway in which case yeah that tree's probably going to have a higher likelihood of falling over but one driveway one tree does not make uh, a negative relationship does not a negative relationship make thank you thank you just take a look at the uh, row of sweet gums out here that's yeah, like an obstacle course exactly. walking down that tr- that sidewalk like pavement who cares <laughs> um so so the question i chose casey is from uh-huh. nick oh, from my right. patreon what's up nick good to see you nick says in general what should i look for to figure out when i need to get my trees trimmed Side note, FYI. Okay. You can just get a dozen Cheddar Bay Biscuits carryout from Red Lobster <laughs> for entirely too little money. Oh, what a throwback to us talking about that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Oh, see, these are the patrons we love. Yeah. They're like, also, P.S., if you go there after 10, everything's half off. So it looks like you can just walk out like with a with a box of do- a dozen donuts of Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Yeah. Ugh. Delicious. That sounds great oh to me. <laughs> and he says it's cheaper than it should be. It's cheap. Everything is, isn't it? Um, so, Casey, this is trimmed, not thinned. Yes. But I thought it was a... Pr- I wanted to talk about that, and I had to work it in somehow. Yeah, so. I think that, I think this is a perfect way to do it. Okay. It's, it's, it's a common term. It's a, it's a, a low... Uh, it's a, an easy term. You know, some people say pruned. Some say trimmed, uh, worked on, you name it. There's a lot of different ways to say it. So the real thing, the best place, the only place to start is with an objective. So a lot of people Uh think I should just get my trees pruned. Um, The thing is, 
Pruning is only for people. Trees will do everything themselves from start to finish. They will put the right strength in the right place at all points in time. They will potentially do something that will cause some kind of defect that will later down the line cause something to fail. Uh, the first thing to come to mind is a codominant stem. We have two stems that are growing really close to each other. When they're little, who cares? When they're both two feet in diameter, you're like, whoa, those are huge things, and they can split off one one from the other. Okay. So, um, oh, so that's something you would want to have. Yes, okay. exactly. But the thing is, you only want to have it trimmed so the tree doesn't split and fall on something you care about. You also have to know what you're looking for. Yeah, in that ex- exactly. Yeah. So, without getting into any of those, you know, really minute specifics, the big thing to start with on anything is oh, some objective. Like, okay. What is your objective with this tree? Maybe in this case, you want to make the tree better at um, dealing with wind. Maybe you want to raise it up so you have more clearance underneath or pull it away from a house or get rid of the dead wood or a thousand different different things. So you never want to go into it with just, I want to get my tree trimmed for the sake of it. Precisely. There is no sake of pruning. Right. It, you're always doing something. You need a goal. Yeah. And okay. there's plenty of companies who will provide you that goal. Sure. There's also plenty of companies who will say, oh, yeah, just you just got to get your, your tree pruned just because you got to prune a tree. Right. But they're not actually doing anything. And most of the time, in order to make it look like they did something, they do something bad. Mm. So thinning is the biggest bad thing that you can do to a tree. A lot of people call it wind thin. There's a tree care company in Portland called Wind Thin. Wow. Which is just like, oh my God. Built on a lie. Built on a lie. Funny enough, they don't do the worst work. There's other companies that, <laughs> that have better names that make them seem better that do worse work. Oh. So the irony's fun. But they'll thin your tree. That's what they do. That's the whole thing. It's it's all snake oil, though. Yeah. And what essentially um, you should do, she say, look at your tree and say, is there something that needs to be done? If so, what and why? If not, you're good. You're good to go. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of times, like you said, you do need a professional eye to look at these sure, things yeah. and say, oh, well, that is actually an issue right there. Maybe it's a branch that's crossing. Maybe it's a sucker that's growing in a weird way. Maybe it's a branch that is has a small crack in it that you wouldn't notice unless you knew exactly what you were looking for. A thousand different things. It could also be that you can't tell the difference between living wood and dead wood because mm. when a tree's covered in leaves, it's pretty easy to see which branch is and is not dead. It's way more difficult in the wintertime when all the leaves have fallen away to say, well, which one's alive still and which one isn't. If you go up and climb that tree, there's some really good, easy telltale signs. Also, if you just shake a branch, you can kind of see if the top just like kind of nubs out and there's no little buds on it, mm. things like that. So getting rid of deadwood, great thing. Uh, if you want to thin your tree, think again. Yeah. There's no reason for it. And the reason that I said that in this uh, post is that essentially a tree with a huge big canopy dampens any wind that's coming to it really well. It's like one big giant, not sail, but dampening mechanism where it bends and sways and yeah. twists. Every bend and sway and twist causes the tree to say, okay, what just got a little tiny bit broken? What's strained? I'm going to reinforce that next year. So it's called building taper. Hmm. Every year, the tree reacts to whatever happened to it the year prior. Interesting. It keeps doing that until everything is perfectly in sync. Wow. So every year, it's responding to everything that's happened to it for its entire life. Cool. So if you start changing Wait, can I say that. Oh, please. 
She remembers. She. <laughs> I don't even know what that's from. Jurassic Park. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, my God. That's our um, second Jurassic Park uh, reference. This uh, You said the uh, nature or uh, life finds a way. That's right. Good and we talked us. about the islands of Hawaii without we, talking about Jurassic that's Park. That's true. Fools. We're fools. It doesn't take place on Hawaii, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah it looks like it does. No. Um, in fact, I think some of it was filmed there. Isla Nubar. Yeah. Is that the name of the place? Yeah. Isla Nubar? Isla Nublar, I oh, think. Oh, wow. That's a cool name. Um, so yeah, whenever you, uh, whenever you, uh, do some big treatment to a tree, which is essentially pruning it in some way, you are changing what the tree is already used to. If you are thinning right. it, you're getting rid of the things that it has been depending on. It's all one big system. It is a big one unit. Yeah. So when you start taking pieces away from that unit, the tree is now dealing with even if it's minutely different things, it's different, and the tree's not, it's not adapted for that. I see. And it'll take several years for it to get adapted to it because it has to first see what it is, react the next year when it puts on its new wood, and then do that a few times because maybe it needs to, a couple extra big, thick layers over here because now the, the weight or the amount of pressure it's getting and therefore the stress and strain on a different part is greater or reduced. All these different things. Here's what's happening. Your mom is in the kitchen. Yeah. And she's got it handled. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you go in, you're like, hey, here, I'll, I'll help you. And she's like, no, 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 I got it. I got it. Go, no, 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 here, I'll help you. And you grab a plate and then, like it slips out of your finger because it's covered in oil. Uh -huh. And it drops and crashes on the floor. And yeah. she's like, well, fuck, I had it handled. Mom, I knew language? there was oil on that plate. Now I have to not only continue cooking, but clean up this ceramic mess on the floor. Yes. So when you, when a, tram, a tree knows what it's doing. Exactly. It has, it was built for this moment, right? And literally every year of its life is building on whatever it learned the last year. Yeah. And years prior. So when you take it upon yourself as a human to be like, I know what this tree needs. Let's thin it out. Let's trim this thing. Suddenly the tree's like, ah, Wait something changed yeah. and it wasn't me. What the fuck do I do now? And then it has to adapt to that. Precisely, Alex. That's a perfect description. You're, the, exactly you're stressing right. the tree out. Leave it alone. Yes, exactly. It knows exactly what it's doing. So I will say sometimes branches break. Sometimes they just get overloaded by wind or snow or whatever it is. Yeah, That happens. It's a natural part of it. An arborist can look at it and provide you ideas on how you can reduce the likelihood that it happens big hint here it's not thinning it's almost never ever thinning yeah. i can't think of an example where it would be thinning Casey's maybe thinking. one oh. you might thin some things if you need more airflow because you have a fungal infection but that would be only on oh. like a small pear or prune uh, prunus of some kind okay that's about it so basically what we're saying hire an arborist if you think something needs doing yes but don't just trim for the sake of it. Exactly. It's not like something, it's not like, it's not like regular maintenance you have to do. Yeah. I think looking at your tree is regular maintenance. There you go. That is about all you need to do. Uh, if you have a question for us, join the Patreon at the Quercus and Alder tier. That's Q&A, three bucks a month. And you get to submit questions for the mainline episodes. If they don't get chosen for these episodes, we have regular Patreon exclusive Q&A episodes 
where you definitely will get your question answered. Above that is the $5 tier, the Arboretum, where you can have two bonus episodes a month delivered to your inbox about other related topics and trees. Mm -hmm. Above that, of course, the Cone of the Month Club. It's just like the Jelly of the Month Club, but with cones. We send you a new one every single month. And by one, I mean a sticker of an illustration of yes, a cone. not the actual cones. We're not we, sending you real cones. Yeah, I'm we, so sorry. We don't want to get the permits for that. But you can build your own little cone collection of stickers. Put them on a notebook. Put them on a water bottle. Just keep right. them in a drawer. Each one comes with a little info card on that species. It's all very sweet, and it's sent directly to your physical mailbox. Above that, Arbitrary Plus. Two live streams a month, one with Casey and I on a host of topics, and then one with just me playing a tree or nature-themed video game. Put it on while you're doing your house chores or uh, hang out in the chat with us. Yeah, say hi. And you get all of these VOD, video on demand. So at any point, if you want to go back and watch any of these live streams, you can. Above that, at the very, very top of our Patreon tiers, generous admission. Starts at 20 bucks. You can give whatever you want. And it's just an extra little generosity thing. That's exactly right. And it makes me nervous to talk about generous admission. Yeah, yeah, well, well, you're doing great. You're doing a really good job. (laughs) Well, the exciting thing is that a generous admission is actually a big reason as to why we are going to be launching a whole new thing here very shortly. Oh, wow. Yeah. We haven't even talked about this a single time except you and I have. Yes. So, but this is one of those things that we have uh, specifically been like, how can we expand this? How can we, how can we give more based on what we're getting? Here's what we came up with. So keep your eye out for that. Keep your ears open oh is that a hint huh i don't think it actually is oh because of, i can't, we ha- yeah, can't we, hear anything okay casey's <laughs> casey clap alex croson we did it again eh what a fun time what a fun episode this I was just, a great episode yeah, this is a good one I, had, I really enjoyed it can i give it can i give a little uh can i give a little a secret behind the scenes secret yeah you know ali ward does this if you listen to the end of every episode she, she has gives, a little behind yeah, the she scenes gives you a little secret not a behind the scenes just a secret well here's a secret this is my first episode on my new ADHD medication. Oh, God. <laughs> and the episode. For those of you who don't know, he was diagnosed with ADD. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Thank uh, you so much for listening to Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Aloha. Bye, everyone. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 